Ashley and Dick, thank you very much. And good morning to all of you all to the Church of Woodbine. It's a pleasure seeing you. I want to invite you to please stand and open your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter. It's way in the back. If you hit Revelation, you've gone too far. 1 Peter chapter 1. It'll be up on the screen if you don't have a Bible. But during this summer, we're going to be going through this little letter that Peter the Apostle wrote. Last week, we were in the first 12 verses. Today will be the second half of chapter 1. And this is God's Word for His people. May we truly read it, consume it. And as we read His written Word, may we encounter the incarnate living Word. 1 Peter 1, starting in verse 13. Therefore, with your minds ready for action... Be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. If you appeal to the Father who judges impartially according to each one's work, you are, conduct, you are to conduct yourselves in reverence during your time living as strangers. For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in the last times for you. Through him... You believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth, so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other from a pure heart, love one another constantly because you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like a flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the, Lord, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this word is the gospel that was proclaimed to you. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for this incredible day. And Jesus, I thank you for each person here. We thank you, Jesus, for a new day. It is full of your mercies which are new every morning. Your faithfulness is great. Your love never fails. And we, I thank you for each person here today. Holy Spirit, we invite you to be our teacher, to be our comforter, our healer. Lord, we lift up Vera. We lift up her family. We lift up Michael's parents, his two daughters, his son-in-laws, his grandchildren. And Lord, we thank you that Michael is with you. But Lord, we ask those who mourn that you bring great comfort. And Jesus, we pray that you would transform us now powerfully by the power and person of Jesus through your Holy Spirit. And we ask these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I want to ask you to keep your Bibles open. And there's a couple of things we're going to do real quick. There's a whole lot of announcements we have today. People coming, people going. Uh, there is a family that's been back. Dustin Denning is right there. His little baby girl's down. Where is she? Is she at home with Grandma and Grandpa? Or is she down? Okay. 
and then his wife, Carolyn, they've been in South Africa, got back about four weeks ago. Uh, Carolyn's working. She's at the hospital. So that is one missionary family that has come back, and we're sending Nick and Bree out. Katie Todd is here with a very significant other, Brandon, her fiancé. They're getting married in two weeks. They're missionaries in Taiwan. So they're here. Can you all like raise your hand? They're right here in the middle under the surgery lights and stuff. So anyway, glad y'all are here. Brandon, it's finally nice to meet you after six months of FaceTime or whatever that's called. So welcome. But anyway, lots of comings, lots of goings, and please be in prayer. And we're going to pray for another couple here at the end of the service who are also moving away, and we're going to bless them as well. But right now, we're talking about 1 Peter, and I want to do a little review. Last week, we talked about hope, and there's two young ladies in our church. One is called Esperanza, which means hope in Spanish, and the other one is hope. And last week, we talked about hope, and Esperanza, she's not here. Is she No? No está aquí, Esperanza? No está aquí? Okay. But hope. Hope, could you stand up? I'm going to put you on the spot again. There's hope, and she's living right there. And we talked about living hope. Now, last week I said most of us, when we expressed hope, and you don't have to stand, you can sit down. When we express hope, I hope it doesn't rain today. I hope the traffic isn't bad tomorrow during rush hour. I hope Tennessee is whatever hope. Most of the time when we express hope, we're actually expressing uncertainty. And unfortunately, when we talk about biblical hope, it's the farthest thing from uncertainty. It is the anchor found in Jesus. And there's a definition of hope that I shared with last week. And this is it. It is the confident affirmation that God is what? Faithful. And that he will complete what he has begun. It is the confident expectation which waits patiently and ardently for God's purposes to be filled. Do you see any uncertainty in that definition? Absolutely not. It is the expectation and desire Filled and, this is my favorite word, anchored with what? Certainty. Because of who God is and his character. Our hope is based upon God and God himself. Completely and utterly. Today there's a command, and we read it here in 1 Peter. Be holy because I am holy. Here's a question I have for you. When you hear that command, be holy, what comes to your mind? You don't have to answer. Just think about it. When you hear, be holy, we're called to live holy lives. Be holy. To be honest, I start thinking about all the to-dos I don't do and how I don't measure up. But is that what holy really means? Holiness, holy, in its most basic definition means set apart, unique, and distinct. That's what holy means. Set apart, unique, and distinct. Does that have anything to do with obedience? I got a fun story to share. I've talked to you guys about my dad's Volkswagen Beetle Bug, 1967. Candy apple red. And I got some pictures I want to show. Now, this might be a fish story a little bit. We'll see. <sighs> that was its original state. After getting it put back together, washing it up, cleaning it up, it looked like that. He was offered 
to buy the cousin of this thing. And you can see it. Next slide, please. Oh, there it is, nice and clean. And someone said, well, why don't you buy this? Next slide, please. But my dad wanted a Volkswagen Beetle Bug. He didn't want the van from 1967. And so he got the guys to work on it, paint it, clean it up, new tires, and there it is. Now, for those who don't know, there was a Porsche engine inside that thing. And it could fly. And then he put this horn on it that was from Guatemala. And it's long and loud and just obnoxious. Now, what did that beetle bug do to deserve to be chosen, to be set apart? And it was unique, and it was distinct. And when it was filled up with gas, that thing, it was scary driving down the interstate. It felt like that front end would about ready to take off because, see, the engine's in the back. And we had to put cinder blocks in the front. Set apart. And I hope every time you see a Volkswagen bug, you'll think of being holy, set apart, unique, and distinct. Here in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, and there's a whole lot here, and we're going to go verse by verse, line by line, word by word, maybe. But there's basically two commands in this passage right here. The first one is this. We're to set our hope fully on our future reward. Set our hope fully fully on our future reward. And we're going to see that here in a second. Number two is this. Live in fear of the God who has redeemed us and purchased us with the precious blood of Jesus. Live in fear. Now, that's not the trembling, scary fear of like some horror movie. But it's that awe-inspiring reverence where we bow the knee in complete and utter worshipful obedience to the one that holds our very lives in his hands. So we're to set our hope on the future reward, which is Christ himself. It's not about what we get. It's about who he is. And then we're to live a life in reverent fear of the one who's purchased us with his blood. Here we have in verse 13 right here. Paul says right here, therefore. And I want to encourage you guys, every time you see the word therefore, that means Peter's getting ready to say something else. And he's referring back to those 12 verses at the very beginning. Last week, we talked about the fact that God, he's our blessed heavenly father. And he's given us a living hope, not just this one over here on the right, but a living hope found in Jesus Christ. He's given us an inheritance that will never perish. And he's given us Jesus himself. And even though we suffer while we do good, even if we suffer for loving him, we love him and we obey him and we rejoice in him because of everything he's done. We have a salvation that is amazing and it's eternal and it is blessed. And that salvation is Jesus Christ himself. All of that Peter said last week. And then he says, therefore, I'm getting ready to show you how to respond. And here in verse 13, he says, therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober minded and set your hope completely on the grace. Set your minds be sober-minded. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand unless you really want to. Who's been drunk here? I mean, really drunk. Stone-cold, hardcore drunk. Did you have control of your mouth, control of your mind, 
control of your body. I've shared this before in the past. In Mexico, 80% of the male income went to alcohol. And on the weekends, walking 200 yards from our house to our church, I would at least see one man passed out on the street at 7.30 a.m. At least one. Fight after fight, drunk after drunk. And every time I see the word sober-minded, it reminds me of how alcohol controls people. In the same way, our minds are to be controlled, not by alcohol, not even by ourselves, but by Holy Spirit. We're to set our hope, set our minds for what? For action. We're not to empty our minds and just be, no. We're to set our minds for action. We're to be in control, sober thinking. And what are we to do? We're to set our hope on what? On the grace. Grace is a gift given that isn't deserved. Grace is a gift given that isn't deserved. We don't deserve forgiveness. We don't deserve salvation. We don't even deserve the next breath. Everyone take a big breath. That's a gift. That God has given you. How often do we take it for granted? Have you ever thought of that? And that's just our breath. We're to set our hope on the grace given to us that's going to come at the revelation of Jesus. That's when Jesus returns and everything will be made new. And Scripture says that we will see him face to face and become like him. And there will be no more weeping, no more crying, no more death, no more temptation or sin. It will all be wiped out. And we'll be in his presence forever. Think about it. And that's what we're to set our minds on. How many of us worry about today's problems and yesterday's failures and tomorrow's challenges. I do, all the time. Peter continues, As obedient children, do not conform to the desires of your former self. I wonder how much of this was a problem with these early Christians, because he says it over and over. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance, but as the one who called you is holy, you're to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Peter says in 1 Peter 2.11, Peter says this, but as the one who says, Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires. That what? That wage war against your soul. So he says it here in chapter 1, as obedient children. And then chapter 2, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sexual desires. Then in 1 Peter 5.8, Peter says it again in 1 Peter 5.8. Be sober. There it is again. Sober-minded and alert. Awake. Your adversary, the devil, what is he doing? He's prowling around like a roaring lion looking to devour who? Us. So we're to be alert and to walk in humble humility. And Peter commands us right here in verse 15. Be holy 
because I'm holy. Sorry, verse, yeah, verse 15. The one who has called you is holy. So be holy because he is holy. Be set apart. Be unique. Be distinct. Why? That's how God is. And we're going to talk about, well, how do we be holy? How do we be holy when Scripture says that no one is righteous, no one does good? There is a lie that permeates our entire culture that says that deep down humans are good, that we're good. That's a lie. We are not good. We are evil to the core. Now, that doesn't mean we're not valuable. It does not mean that we are deeply loved. We are deeply loved. We are so loved that God shed his own blood, his precious blood, the blood of Jesus, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be born again. But the lie that permeates our culture telling us that, oh, humans are good. Ashley, you're good. Fred, you're good. Toby, you're good. No. And I'm not just picking on them. We could go through all of us. None of us are good. Now, are we of incredible value? Yes. So valuable that the God of the universe would become a human, share our nature, yet be without sin, and then shed his blood so that we could be born again and forgiven. I'm stressing that because most of us, even most Christians, have embraced the lie that, yeah, humans basically are good. But we're not. So why would Peter command us to do something that we can't complete and fulfill and do? Verse 17 through 25, real quick. Peter says here, If you appeal to the Father who judges impartially, According to each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in reverence during your time as strangers. Are we paying attention to this? Our Father, our Heavenly Father, does not judge, He judges impartially. So how are we to live in reverent fear? That was that second command I was talking about. The first one is to set our hope on the future reward, which is Christ Himself. The second command in this whole passage is to live in obedient, reverent fear of the one who's bought us with his precious blood. We are his children. For all who put their faith in Jesus, we are God's precious children. And because we're his children, we're to obey him out of reverential fear and love. But we need to remind ourselves, and we need to remind the world, God cannot be mocked. And he does not judge impartially. He sees all things and he knows all things. And the heart is deceitful above everything else. I loved our confession today. Mel, thank you. We need to confess our sins daily. Not because we've lost our salvation. But because we're called to humble ourselves before the Lord. We're called to confess our sins to Him. To one another. And James tells us to humble ourselves and draw near to God. And He'll draw near to us. We need to live with this reverence that we live and we stand before and we've been adopted and we've been deeply loved and are deeply loved and we've been bought by the precious love of the eternal King and Lord of the universe. Peter continues, 
Look at what Peter says here. For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life. I love that. Our lives before Christ are just empty. The lives of, who don't, of those who don't know Jesus are empty. Empty, empty, empty. For you inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for you. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and your hope are in who? And God, one of the focal points of all of 1 Peter is the death and resurrection of Jesus. And even though we are not good, I mean, we are wretches, we are wretches. We need to remind ourselves of the gospel every day. That's what Stevie was telling us in life group this morning. We need to remind ourselves that we are born into sin, dead, without life. And yet we have such intrinsic value because we are created in God's image that he bought us with his own precious blood. We're valuable. And when you hear the words of condemnation that Satan loves to throw at us when we sin, and when he attacks us, and when he tries to deceive us, telling us how worthless we are, and how useless we are, and how stupid we are, and how dumb we are, and on and on and on, the accusations, and how dirty we are. We can point to this truth here, say, yes, I am sinful, and I am useless apart from Christ. But I'm also very worth it because he shed his own blood for me and for you. And we might be evil to the core and have no goodness in us, but because of Jesus and his precious blood shed on the cross for us, we've been bought and we're now God's. We're now his sons. We're his daughters. And we are precious in his sight for what he has done. Peter continues, since you have purified yourself by your obedience to the truth, so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other, and from a pure heart love one another constantly, because you've been born again. A rich young ruler came to Jesus and asked him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus challenged him because this man put all of his hope and all of his trust in his own religious obedience. And Jesus broke down all the commandments of the Old Testament to two, love God and love your neighbor. And we see that right here. We're to live a life that's holy. And going back to what does holy mean? Set apart, unique and distinct. God has set us apart because of Jesus, because of his good will, because of his grace and mercy. And for all of, the, for all of us who've put our faith in Jesus, we're set apart. We're unique and we're distinct. And it's because of his great grace that he has shed upon you and upon me. He showered upon us. It's like Niagara Falls. If you've ever been to Niagara Falls, the amount of water that's going over. And our Heavenly Father is pouring out his great love and grace upon us through Jesus Christ. And he has set us apart. So how are we to respond? Because we're commanded to be holy. We're commanded to be holy as God, our Heavenly Father is holy. How? There's a couple verses I want to read to you. The first one is found in 1 John 2.6. 
Or John the Apostle, one of Jesus' best friends, says, the one who says he remains in him, in Jesus, should walk as Jesus walks. We are to walk in obedience. We are to obey our Heavenly Father. We're to walk and live as Jesus did. But it's not so that we become forgiven. It's not so that we earn and gain God's favor. It's not, that's not our motivation. It's out of a loving response of humble obedience and worship. Jesus says in John 15, 4 and 5, he uses a word called abide. Abide. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself, unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Jesus is the vine. We've had lots of storms roll through Nashville the past couple weeks. And we've seen trees and branches scattered throughout. Within days, those branches are brown and the leaves are withering because they're no longer connected to the tree. And if we abide in Christ, how do we abide in Christ? Well, John says it's walking in obedience. We obey his commandments. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. We abide in Christ through fellowship with him. We don't obey God to earn his favor. We obey God out of response because of his grace and favor. Obedience is an act of worship. And part of that obedience is confession of sin and repentance. We will fail and sin every day. And Jesus commands us, we're commanded in 1 John, confess your sins. So what does this mean for us today? There's three things. I've got two questions and one encouragement. The first question is this. How is Jesus changing you? How is Jesus changing you? If you love him and follow him and obey him, you should see his work in your life. And this question isn't a question of condemning. It should be one of encouragement because we should be able to look back on our lives from, like, say, last month or last year and see how Jesus is changing us. How is Jesus changing you? The second question is, is there anything that Jesus has spoken to you about and you are not obeying? How is Jesus speaking to you today? Your lifestyle, your friendships, how you use your time, how you use your money, your attitude, forgiveness, unforgiveness, confession of sin, humility. How is Jesus speaking to you today? And you're still being like, oh, no. The third thing is one of encouragement for all of us. And I think I heard it in Ashley's song. Surrender. Surrender and worship. God has called us to be holy. He's chosen us. We're like that red Volkswagen. We don't deserve it, and we haven't earned it. But he's chosen us. He set us apart. He's given us his Holy Spirit. 
And he's calling us to surrender to him in loving obedience and worship. And if we love him and obey him and worship him, we will live out the holiness that he is. Let's stand. Let's pray. Father, we praise you because you are holy. Holy, 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 holy. The earth, the heavens are full of your glory. And Jesus, I pray that you would touch us now, that you would open the minds of our heart, that you would open our eyes, that we would be able to see you, Father, that we would be able to see how holy and awesome you are, how amazing you are. Father, you've called us to be holy. And to be honest, when I read that command, I'm like, yeah, whatever, can't do that. But through your power, through your spirit, through your grace, we can surrender our lives to you each and every day. We can walk in humble, loving obedience. So, Father, I pray now for those who don't know you, that you would open their hearts, that they'd give your lives to you, Jesus. Jesus, I pray that you would show us how you're changing us, that you would encourage us, that we would see how you're working in our lives. And Father, I pray for those, for all of us, where we hear your voice and we refuse to obey. Have mercy on us. May we surrender to you in loving, worshipful obedience. And may we realize that you clothe us and you make us holy because of your grace and mercy. We ask these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen and amen. You may be seated real quick.